Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with Kate Dolan, the writer and director of You Are Not My Mother, which is on Netflix now and it's made it to the top 10. Yes, yeah. So we, um, well, thanks for having me, first off. Uh, for not the first time as well, which is <laughs> nice to be back. Yeah, so we just, uh, the film obviously came out on Netflix on Saturday and then um, I got a message from, it was actually my auntie sat, screenshotted the screen for me and she was like, oh my God, look, it's in the top 10. And I was like, oh, wow, that was kind of unexpected because, you know, Stranger Things came out on Friday and everything. So we kind of, you know, you never know. But yeah, so it's it's currently number nine. I think somebody sent me a screenshot today that it was number six in the UK so I don't know if that's different than Ireland or like how that works but yeah so now that's that's some amount of eyeballs because peeps raining (laughs) so people are watching a lot of Netflix yeah that's (laughs) true (laughs) that's amazing so um let's get into how this film was created first of all so I know you submitted for this for the POV scheme so I was just wondering, can you tell me a little bit about developing it for that application? Because I think that's really interesting that it's sort of a, a designated lower budget Irish feature. But like, look, look at the success that it's gone on to have. Yeah, so it was um, it, we, it was yeah, it was really good timing kind of for me because I had just done a short film called Cat Calls and um, that had played at a, a few festivals and it was doing quite well. So I had made that film with Screen Ireland on their focus short scheme, which is kind of um, their slightly longer short scheme. So this film is about 10 minutes. And so I kind of had a relationship with Screen Ireland and and I was talking to um, Dee Levins, who is a producer with Fantastic Films, and she wanted to do more producing and kind of step up in the company there. And she knew I was really interested in horror. So we had met a few times to talk about like horror feature ideas and what I wanted to do. And then kind of just while we were having this conversation, Screen Ireland said that they were going to make this POV scheme, which was similar to Catalyst, which is what they had done a few years previously, which a few films uh, had been made on, like Lorcan Finnegan's Without Name and The Drummer and The Keeper by Nick Kelly and a couple of other ones that I can't remember right now. Kissing Candace, Eve McArdle's film was made on that. Um, so that was like a capped budget scheme where you only had like kind of micro budget to work with. So we basically, we saw that was coming up. We decided to just submit something. So I had a kind of a one pager idea at the time, which was You Are Not My Mother, but it was kind of a very vague idea about, you know, a parent being kind of haunting your house, I guess, in a way when they're kind of mentally unwell. But then, yeah, so the the deadline was coming up like kind of two or three weeks away. So Dee just said, okay, do a 10-page treatment and we'll submit it. (laughs) Um, Because we kind of felt like that idea, like that idea was very contained. It was all in the house and and it didn't have a very big cast like on the page. But um, so we felt like it could be done for the, the the budget was going to be 400,000 euro on the POV scheme. And obviously that scheme was pointed towards kind of female writers, female directors or female writer directors. So because I had just done the short with Screen Ireland, I was kind of in a really good position to apply for it, I think, because they kind of knew me and I it was very close after I'd done the tour with Cat Call. So, yeah, it was um, very fortuitous timing. <laughs> and you wouldn't know, like it does not. It's something when you watch it, it doesn't feel like 
there's been any scrimping or saving done on it. Like it, it again feels very polished, very kind of like like lots of oomph in all the the areas, the visual areas, the performance. I, I like I'm, I really want to get into all those little and uh, nitty bits later, but I'm like you wouldn't think that it's a slightly lower budget scheme than you know some of the bigger budget things that have come through cinemas that have been in Ireland of late. Yeah, I mean, like, I think, you know, I can't really, I don't really know how we did that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, like, the budget, I know to some people, like, 400,000 euros sounds like a lot, like, it, which it is a lot of money, like, in general. But for film, it's obviously, it goes so quickly, like, as soon as you start paying. And in the era of COVID. So you're, you've all these extra bits and bobs, all these delays, all this mess around as well that you have to deal with and that the budget has to deal with. So it's not a... Yeah, we were very lucky because the testing, we needed to be testing the crew twice a week and then all the PP and we needed to pay a COVID officer to be on for the entirety of prep, the entirety of the shoot. Um. So we kind of couldn't make that work in the budget. but So then Screen Ireland did give us some additional cost money to cover the cost of COVID. So the 400,000 did kind of not got on screen, you know, so it wasn't kind of just paying for masks for people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it, it was, I don't know how we kind of pulled it off because it is like, it does go so quickly on everything. And then you kind of, you know, I think it was really down to the team and the people who worked on it. Cause I think we had a lot of, I think we had a lot of kind of young crew, like young HODs who it was their first time making a feature film or, you know, being involved in kind of a film of this scale. Um, and so I think just that team were so hungry to make it their own and make it, you know, really not kind of phone in anything. I think, you know, sometimes if you had gotten kind of like super established people, they might be like, why am I wasting my time running around, like trying to get things for this movie that's like not going to make anybody back, you know, that kind of way. So I think we were lucky that I think everybody of the HODs and kind of the crew were just really excited by the idea and like really wanted to be a part of it and give as much as they could. Um, And then also I think we were maybe like, sometimes like obviously COVID is bad and like difficult to deal with in many ways but I think at the time people like that we were one of the first shoots feature films that shot um like since the start of COVID we shot in November 2020 and Screen Ireland we were kind of like the test baby going out to like see how this would go almost I think one of the other POVs went just before us but we yeah so so we were kind of like that POV and our POV film were um like the test subjects to see how COVID would work. So that was like a good thing in a way because people were really, I think just excited to be working and excited to be on set again. Which um, if you had waited a little bit later, it would have been like, I can't get him, he's booked, can't get him, he's booked, he's booked on foundation, yeah. everyone's booked on foundation. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like even I think with the cast, even that was the case. Like I think, you know, we got some cast and like who, probably if you know you'd waited a bit longer they'd be like sorry I'm going on this tv show that's paying me like triple the amount that you're gonna pay me (laughs) um so we got kind of lucky with COVID a little bit I think if it had been made yeah as you say a bit later it might have been a bit trickier to get book the cast or book the 
the crew that we wanted. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But I think, yeah, probably just a combination of all the team and all that kind of timing and luck. I think sometimes you just get lucky with things. Like we got an amazing house location, um, which was just a house that was up for sale. And the like the guy was about to sell it, but because of COVID, he was finding it like it was kind of holding off. And he was just like the sweetest man. And he just was like, yeah, of course you can have, you can get in here two weeks before to be painting all the walls, any color you want, like over it. And like, you know, so I think sometimes you get lucky with stuff like that, that you don't have to shoot in the house with completely white walls and like not, you're not allowed to touch it. And like, you know, you then have to buy so much more production design to get it done. But we, that house had like the carpets were there that are in the film, the curtains, all this kind of stuff. So you know, we we had a good base to work from. So I think that gave it a good bit of production value because obviously the film takes, a, a lot of it takes place in the house and that's kind of the main interior location. And actually, where was the shoot? Like where, like it was kind of one of those old school corpo houses. So it could have been anywhere in Dublin, but in that way, it feels so familiar. Yeah, we like, um, so the whole film was basically all shot North Dublin because I'm from um, Fairview. So that house was actually in Clontarf. It was like actually a really nice house <laughs> from the outside and like the layout of it. But I think it looks a lot smaller on screen and we kind of made it look a bit more dingy than it was when we first got in because we painted all the walls and stuff like that. But um, yeah, we, uh, but we, yeah, it was old North Dublin. So it was like, you know, it was set there in the script and that's kind of it based on some of it's based on kind of my upbringing and my coming of age which those kind of areas feel very part of that you know what I mean like those kind of housing estates and like laneways that you go down to get shortcuts like home from school and stuff like that so that was very much part of it. so I like the part of it was COVID as well because the location we didn't really have a locations person who was like going out like finding us all this stuff because we couldn't afford it so I was just like I remember a laneway that I used to hang out in and then I'd go and take pictures of like several laneways that I remembered from like being 16 <laughs> and that would be like our way of finding the location so it's funny yeah it's just like that just kind of became part of part of the aesthetic of it obviously because it's you know part of the places where I knew growing up I suppose. So actually going back to how it originated and the development process so was this always sort of an earworm or was it like one idea that you just felt could be suitable or was it something that you really wanted to dig into yeah I think like the initial idea I did I felt like it had something like I felt like it was a strong um it could be a strong idea like once I fleshed it out so it was something that yeah I always had and I was like what am I going to do with this um and I obviously the kind of aspect of Irish folklore as well and the mythological influence and paganism and that kind of thing like uh, as I was then kind of working on the treatment and working on the script that became much more a part of it and then you know it kind of grew into a bigger idea then it was it more of kind of a straight up kind of ghost story in a house on that on that first one pager but I think then as I wrote the treatment and brought more of the because I was like you know I've always loved Irish folklore and kind of the pagan aspect of Irish culture and I think I just really wanted that to be a part of it I think yeah you're funny when you like you start to write it and you're like this film can actually be whatever I want it to be so why why don't I just put in these things that I want to put in (laughs) 
So yeah, I was just like gradually doing that as you know, as far as I could go with it, obviously within the budget. So yeah. So that's it. Fire animals. <laughs> you don't have a baby. <laughs> yeah. Dear yeah. must have loved that. She's like, oh great, the trifecta. Yeah. Well, actually, Dee's brilliant because she like I remember when I was writing the script, I I kept kind of taking out things sometimes and Dee was like no no like leave in the bonfire that's part of the story and it's part of the whole thing so leave that in and we'll just figure out how to do it when the time comes and I was like okay and then eventually when the time did come she was like oh crap how are we actually gonna pull this off now um so yeah I think the bonfire definitely the fire aspects were probably the most demanding on the budget that was like difficult because like when you have great cast in a house that you know who can play off each other and and you can set up those kind of scenes within the house they're quite minimal and easy to do but I think um yeah the bonfire was had a lot of moving parts to it which was a bit uh intense (laughs) I can imagine Um, yeah then Okay, so it's a development scheme as well. So do Screen Ireland pair you with a development executive on their end or a script editor? How, you know, when you're when they're kind of working with the the script, what do they kind of what's the process there? Yeah, so initially um the one of the first things we did actually on when we found out we got onto the and like initial part of the scheme. So six projects got um on the first kind of leg of the scheme. And then that was whittled down to four projects, which would be go into production. Um, and I remember the six projects, so it was like the six writer directors and some of them had writers and directors uh, and the producers, All we all went to like this development weekend because it was obviously a, a scheme for you to learn about like as a filmmaker, how that process works and stuff like that. I actually, I had a project in development already with Screen Ireland. So I kind of understood the basic kind of how that, how that would work. But it was really great because we got to meet a lot of like, there was some uh, great script editors at that talk. And then, um, uh, yeah, some people from kind of the sales side as well. Like Sophie Green from Bankside was there. So she she eventually ended up picking up your not my mother as our sales agent so we met her the first time like at that and she heard the idea and thought it was really interesting so you know it was a great kind of intro to everything and that just taught us kind of how to dig into the ideas because at that point we only had the treatments we didn't have full scripts so it was like kind of like how this development process was going to start and how we would go about writing the script and then each project was paired with a script editor right from kind of that point onwards so um that was brilliant I we were paired with Anna Seifert Speck who's from the UK she's a German English um script editor and she is unbelievable like she was so great to work with and I had actually met her at um, Berlin Alley Talents when I was there she was my mentor on a script a short film script scheme thing and um, so it was nice to kind of reconnect with her and she was she was brilliant she really brought so much out of the idea and like so like I you know so much in the script is kind of down to her influence and like her kind of just they were almost like therapy sessions you know like sitting down with her where she would talk through the character and like what it meant and and you know what this meant or like what are you trying to say with this and and you know digging into those kind of character arcs she was really brilliant so that really set us up well from the start to get the script 
up on its legs because you know apart from kind of maybe a few set pieces within the third act I think the script you know that first scene where granny pushes the baby into the woods like that was in the script from the very first draft that I wrote so there's lots in it that like didn't change at all from that like those kind of first drafts that we did with um Anna as our script editor so because we we they knew Serena Arden knew the development process was going to be really long or not not very long because it was um kind of streamlined because they wanted to get the films in production as quickly as possible so it was great to kind of have the script editor there at your beck and call to talk about um all the problems with <laughs> you were having all the time um yeah so it was a great process it was really good and then once you have your kind of final script that you're like this is essentially it that I want to shoot pending money and ability what's your process as a director do you sit down and work out how the visuals are going have you been doing that the whole time as a writer and then it's just a case of explaining it to your DOP getting the mood of the piece like what how do you kind of start to cook the elements in the the stew the film yeah um well I think when I'm writing like you kind of like even from the first I think even from the treatment stage when we went into our our meeting to actually apply for the scheme so it was like an interview based on the treatment we had given in for POV we went in to kind of talk about what the film could be and all that kind of stuff and I did a lookbook for that so I was kind of even had a lookbook at that point kind of before the script was written so I knew always what it would feel like and what it would look like and the kind of tone of it and and then yeah when I'm writing I'm a big like one to listen to music so listen to tracks that um I feel like will capture the tone and like different film scores or horror film scores um so I was doing a lot of that while I was writing and then obviously I kind of I feel like it's uh, I call it my good procrastination so like sometimes when I have stuff to do I'll be like okay you can you're allowed to do your like good procrastination and that's where I like go on like kind of you know websites that have good imagery and film in- imagery and stuff like that or, and I'll just do kind of a search for like images that kind of are starting to click with scenes that I've written and stuff like that or like visually kind of capture things um what's the bad procrastination the bad procrastination is like um eating toast or like uh, cleaning my office or um pretending I need to go to the shop for no reason (laughs) (laughs) yeah I know that as well (laughs) going to have a project in like my kitchen is yeah yeah you're like I need to just hoover the downstairs right now it's really important um yeah so that was like yeah but I kind of you know I uh I yeah I feel like I can't like I have to operate kind of director and writer constantly at the same level because it's I just that's just kind of how my brain works I think just wondering then about um kind of communicating your that these this tonal stuff that you want to your HODs when do you get other people on board for that yeah this project was kind of an interesting one because we obviously kind of towards the end of 2019 we thought we were going to film pretty soon so I think I'm not sure when we met 
some of our HODs. I know Narian Van Mail, he was like one of the first that we got on board. And I think we did meet him towards the end of 2019. So he kind of had seen all my lookbook stuff and I I'd shared, obviously he'd read the script. And then he did a kind of a lookbook type thing that was um, his kind of interpretation of some of the aesthetics and stuff we could do with the film. So, you know, that's kind of funny because like, you know, that's a lot more prep than <laughs> you'd normally have with HOD. So then he was kind of on board with the project, but then we ended up in because of COVID and some other things as well, just like not being ready, but in terms of some other aspects, but we then pushed it to November 2020. So Narin maybe was on board for like the guts of a year, possibly knowing that he was going to shoot this. So when you have someone, then you can kind of get to know them more and send them more stuff. Or like if you change your mind about things, you're like, ah, I was actually thinking, or I was like, oh, you should watch these films that have, or like, I just saw this movie. It's really good. You should go to it and, and all these kind of things. So I think, um, you know, that's helps a lot because you just like, you know you just have more time to kind of get to know somebody and know their tastes and know what they want to do and then me and Narian worked on an, an ad together as well within that time so we kind of got to understand how each other work and what we like and and you know then another HOD like John Cutler who's the editor of the film me and him have been best friends since we were in college so he lives up the road from me and like we're literally in like we hang out all the time outside of work so having someone like that who wants to be on board so like, it's appropriate for you to whatsapp him at like one in the morning yes go, oh my god I can't sleep I just had this great idea which you could probably do if it yeah. was more formal yeah like I think you know with John he and he was so eager like because he hadn't done a feature film before he had cut my short cat calls we hadn't done feature and like he would yeah he would whatsapp me even and be like I just watched this film and there's a great there's a great scene in it like which is a jump scare you should watch it or like you know we would watch movies together or I would um even in some of the prep I would do I would film little videos of like sequences that were scares and then with my girlfriend as the monster and stuff like that and I would just email them to him and then he would cut them together with music and sound effects because like yeah when you have a relationship like that it is much easier you can be like will you just cut this together on your like Saturday afternoon? And he's like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And you're like, cool. Um, so that like did make it a bit easier to kind of have that relationship with like, you know, uh, HOD, like your editor, who's, you know, normally you might, you may not even get to kind of talk to them until you're already like about to shoot. Cause you know, it's more the posts that they're on board for. So they, the prep before you even shoot anything, it's kind of nice to have an editor on board to cut. Cause he read the script and he kind of even went through and went, you know oh well how, how are you going to do this transition from this scene to this scene what you could do is something like this and you know so we talked a lot about all that kind of stuff which was great and then yeah similarly then like obviously the rest of the HODs we kind of tacked on as we went along but they were all I think kind of approached earlier than like they would have been if you were filming normally because it was just COVID pushed everything so you did have kind of people at your at your beck and not beck and call but like people who and like because then COVID hit nobody was working really so you know you could email your production designer and be like hey I just saw this like weird like photo series online you, you look at it look at it, this like paint color that they use on the wall in this picture and she'd be like oh this looks really cool um 
so that kind of helped everything do you know what I mean to kind of everyone knew the tone and especially one really important thing was actually the composer D Hexen came on board um, quite early as well and she read the script and started kind of riffing music based on the script and um, because she was really eager to be involved in the project and she really liked it a lot so um yeah she just started kind of making music based on kind of her first initial impressions of the story and the emotions and, and what was happening because <clears throat> we had talked a lot about folklore and traditional instruments and so she started working on that so then it was great because then I had tracks that actually I could share with the cast and crew that she had done that I could be like this is the tone this is what this scene will probably feel like like hourly and then people be like oh okay actually yeah that's really interesting those are yeah sound mix oh my god is just it's stellar like like that as well like it's just there's so much tension there it's so um like it like it really adds an edge like I, I was just listening to it going god like you you know you kind of just pushes you to the edge where you're really tense but it's it's beautiful and and that like almost layering a sound you know with water and things like that there was one point and I was like god it's just so and like that the storm brewing in the background like when she's kind of up in the middle of the night like it's just it's a beautiful mix how did yeah. you did that take a while um kind of yeah we were very lucky in that you know, I think all that prep did us so well because we talked a lot about like the symbolism in the film of like water and fire and elemental kind of um, aspects of like paganism and folklore and that this idea that the water is uh, represents one thing and the fire is representative of something else and the colours that they use and, and then the noises that you use. So all these things were kind of in conversation and then I think Dee Hexen was great because she was obviously composing the music, but she works in a very, she's kind of a sound designer as well and like works in kind of experimental sound. So she was, her tracks, they weren't kind of like traditional, you know, you hear violins play and then they're just like the track goes on like that. Like it had all these like weird beats and she would use water and she would use things like she would use fire in her music that she was making so then when we me and John went into the edit we had kind of her these interesting things that she had done and then using those to as jumping off points for things and John's he's really great in terms of sound too he had a great kind of um input into the sound design like he had a lot of great ideas about like what we could do in terms of because I think with horror especially like it's really more about where you don't hear sound a lot of the time and where you do so me and John did a very kind of while we were editing always made sound a part of every scene we edited we kind of didn't leave the sound till later anytime we were cutting a scene we made sure that the kind of the sound and music that we were using would be right and 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 that was kind of setups because you know it's it's hard to sell a horror sequence if you don't have all that stuff in there to a producer or like you know screen Ireland giving you notes like this isn't very scary and you're like okay but you have to imagine this like creepy music <laughs> um so that was like we always made it a part of the edit really so then by the time we actually got to the sound designer um Brendan Rahel um it was 
we had a lot of bones laid down and like Dee Hexen's music had even her own kind of sound design and parts of it as well. So, you know, then when we got to that part, point, it was just kind of making it all sing. And then Brendan had his own ideas that he brought into some parts of it as well. So it just was great because it was just like felt like it was a real part of the film from even like before we started filming in a way, which was cool. And you do like it sounded like a wonderful sort of very collaborative piece was there anything that was stressful at all <laughs> like besides <laughs> the COVID and being pushed back and things like that what were the um, sort of yeah. like you know the kind of surprise pitfalls that always happen like I mean they're in everything any event yeah. anything might... yeah I think you know like when you when you obviously when you can't build things on a stage like you can't build sets on a stage and um, weather is like a big thing that you know we had obviously a lot of exteriors and the exterior so we put the exteriors the first two weeks of filming so that as it got colder because we started filming just after Halloween so it was the second of November I think but like two weeks into November we were still filming the exteriors and it started to, like it was getting really cold so like poor Hazel like some takes and she'd be like Hazel's amazing like I don't know how she did like where she'd be like just in her school uniform and walking and she'd be like so freezing her like nose would start running and then we'd be like okay we need to like just cover the fact that you're cold with makeup and like just stop like your nose running and stuff and she'd be like oh no um so yeah that was uh that was like a, a difficult, the weather was probably the biggest pain for us to deal with. I, when we filmed the bonfire scene as well, I think just, you know, we could only kind of film four pages a day with the kind of crew we had and the amount of equipment and the amount of bodies just on set. So we filmed about four or five pages a day, but like the bonfire scene was really tough to film in because we filmed that in like one day. Uh, the whole thing almost we had to get some pickups because we need them in the end but it, that was tough because you know you have to deal with that end sequence you have a lot of characters interacting then the result and it, it's the whole crux of the yeah it's really the, important yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really important to get right because that's the, what you're leaving the audience with so we had a big light on a crane that was it was just so windy it was just like wobbling around like this so like we couldn't use a lot of the takes at points of it because the light was just moving on the actors faces in a way that like it just looked like a light and that like you know it felt unnatural so there was like stuff like that and then like actual all using all the fire elements and like on that night like you obviously can't kind of rush those things because they are very dangerous so you kind of have to sit back and wait and then you're there going this is taking like half an hour of time. And then like, you know, that bonfire scene as well, where you like, there is also a big emotional performance from the, like, you know, Hazel and um, that's, you know, so important for the end of the movie. So it's like, you're dealing with kind of a lot of very practical things which are going wrong. And then you also have to like, make sure that Hazel has time to actually deliver the performance in the right way and make sure that you know I'm happy with that and she's happy with that and, and that it works for the scene too so there was like a lot that was kind of probably the most hectic evening that we had <laughs> yeah pretty rough I can I can imagine and yeah. how was Hazel always in your mind for this like I mean Hazel is just 
something else. Like she can just, without a look, give like a huge big arc of emotion, like and do it so subtly just with her eyes. She's just incredible. Was she always on your kind of casting list or did she come along later? Because I mean, if it's in the mix for so long, you nearly age out by the time. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a worry. Yeah, we, um, yeah, I think Hazel was always kind of in our mind. You know, she's just, I'd seen her in Cunis, which was Tristan Henway's short. I, I can never pronounce his second name. I hope I didn't butcher it. But uh, I loved his um, short. And Narian had actually shot that short. So when Narian came on board, he was like, oh, yeah, Hazel should do it. And I was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, because we were thinking about Hazel because she's kind of she was the right age. But she is also like, I think, one of the like best actors we have in Ireland probably at the moment. And like she she was she read the script and it felt kind of like serendipitous. Well, yeah, because she just like was really into kind of like paganism at the time. And she had been like, you know, her favorite movie had been hereditary that she had just seen recently so I think she was like this is exactly what I want to do so she was really on board like as soon as she read the script which was great for us um well yeah I think she just we yeah we kind of always just thought she'd be great for it and I think we did do a kind of a casting to find the other girls and we had in our mind like well if Hazel doesn't want to like can't do it or whatever we there's like loads of great kind of young um women in this kind of audition that we're doing so we did an audition that was just before covid because we got to do it in person which was great so um but there at that audition we met jordan and and florence and katie who are in the movie now as well so that was a great kind of exercise to do as well just to meet kind of other great like young female actresses we have in ireland right now because there's so many but um it was nice that they got to be a part of the film because like florence and katie gave like and Jordan gave such good auditions and I knew Jordan immediately she should play Suzanne I was just like she's not a Char she's definitely a Suzanne and like that's what she needs to play but I was kind of worried that Katie and Florence were so good that they would say no <laughs> to be the kind of like lesser parts like more supporting parts but uh, luckily they said yes I was glad because they're so great and they were um, they yeah they're brilliant and so nice to work with as well but it's nice to flex those like mean girl muscles as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's a real satisfying role to play if you're like always being cast as like an empathetic ingenue type, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they, I think they, they enjoyed it. Like, I feel like those are the best days on set when like it would be the, all the girls like together, like those kind of classroom scenes or like the, when they're on the trip or when they're meeting in the laneway. Because, like, you know, I know they seem very sinister, like Katie, particularly Katie White, but she, like, they all got along so well. And we had so much fun. Like, when they were on set, like, I was just, like, laughing the whole time. Like, they were just, like, so funny. So, um, yeah, those were really fun days. Those were probably my favourite, favourite days on set. So how invested are you in the universe? Would you ever go back to that story and, like, with that world? <laughs> You know, in in another thing, would you ever go back to, yeah, like to kind of see what those characters are doing later or, you know, another side of them? Because again, like Jordan's uh, character was very interesting and I kind of felt like she had her own little. Yeah, I don't know, actually. I, kind I wondered, of... like, I was like, is this, 
she feels like she has like a fully realized side thing that I'd, I'd happily follow around as well for an hour and a half yeah yeah I think like um definitely I think they're they're I mean all the cast are so charismatic and kind of you know brilliant what they do like you do get so roped into those characters which is I think the one of the biggest reasons the film works and people like it it's like the cast are so deliver the performances so well um but I think I don't know if I'd go back I think maybe in like unofficial way do you know what I mean like another film that takes Irish folklore and like brings it to life but that um not necessarily with those characters maybe because I think I you know I, I I've discussed this I actually met um Stephen Shields who wrote Hole in the Ground recently and me and him were just talking about like oh all the things you can do with like the because obviously me and him both had done a lot of research about Irish folklore and we're like there's so much there you can have fun with and kind of you know bring to life like different characters different takes of the changeling like you couldn't you couldn't even though they're like I'm sure you had people go oh well you know he has a film coming out but there's there could not be more different I know yeah it's it's funny actually I was kind of because I think Hole in the Ground came out when I had already gotten onto the POV scheme I think and I knew it was coming out and I remember saying to myself oh crap this is like gonna be they're gonna do that because I'd seen the trailer and I was like this looks so good I was like damn it (laughs) is the folklore thing gonna be done by the time we like get to make our movie but I think when I saw Hole in the Ground, I think I realized they're so they're about different things and they're about, um, you know, they're very different. I kind of think in setting and and and, you know, I feel like my film is probably more of a coming of age film a little bit like about kind of coming of age in a weird way. And um, whereas, you know, Hole in the Ground is obviously more about being a mother and how to how to how to deal with that. So I think, yeah, they're. I felt okay after I'd seen Hold the Ground. I was like, obviously they did it amazingly well and so high production value and it looks beautiful and, you know, great performances again and, and Lee did a, a great job. Um, but I think, yeah, I, fe- I felt okay that we could still make our movie. <laughs> What's it going to be like null and void? I was like, it's, it's still worth making. And what has the response been so far? So you've went to great places um was yeah have you got many people coming back to you yet saying I love this this really resonated with my childhood because it does touch on some very like poignant themes in there yeah definitely I think um those have been kind of my favorite responses that I've gotten because I you know we obviously it's been a long journey now like we had our first kind of venture out into the world when we played at a TIFF Midnight Madness in September um, 2021 so that was like you know a good while ago now so it 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 played at that and then it had you know cinematic release in Ireland and the UK and then the US and now it's um, on Netflix and and it was it's on video on demand in the US and stuff like that so it's it's been a long time kind of to receive different feedback about it um but yeah I think you've got your like critics pick in the New York Times and stuff which we got which was cool and then we got like certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and, and all those kind of things which you know you're like oh this is what you dream for for your movie but I think the things that have definitely resonated will be more are 
you know after a film festival screening somebody comes up to you after and it's like oh I really like this really resonated with me and like my experience growing up and and dealing with kind of you know problematic family and and how to deal with that and and you can really tell the people who get that and understand it and and that you really see how how it resonated so I feel like that definitely for me is what makes me happiest to talk to those people and then get that kind of feedback um although the like certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes kind of stuff is cool as well I guess yeah yeah nice to see that yeah it's, it's really cool well it's an amazing film and like I'm so thrilled that it's like it's like as I was saying to you before we started recording that it's so lovely to see a film a genre film an Irish film a film by a cool Irish woman topping those charts so here's hoping that kind of gives it much more eyeballs as well because I think like these things like once they reach a tipping point it's about momentum and I couldn't recommend it more like it's one of those you sit down you press play and it's over like it doesn't the pacing is so good in it that you're just like you're in it and completely the world is like completely immersed in that realm so it's yeah definitely one to watch thank you thank you very much it's so nice to hear um yeah I think it is it's kind of mad on Netflix I feel like it just it's definitely going to get more I think independent like as an independent kind of smaller horror movie to just get that kind of exposure that the, if you see it as you log in on the like new releases and stuff like that it, you know a film that maybe if people hadn't heard of it they might not know where to find it and and to see it there it's like it's really cool so yeah it's like um yeah it's only an hour and, and 30 minutes long so it's uh won't take up too much of your time <laughs> to watch <laughs> oh thank you so much for chatting with us yeah thank you so much for having me it's uh really nice to like get to chat to you and i i love film ireland so always happy to be a part be a part of the podcast great to have you back thank you